Genesis chapter number 16. Genesis in your Bible, the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And uh, some months ago, weeks ago, I, I felt uh, led to preach a series of messages out of the book of Genesis I never had. I've uh, been preaching now 49 years now and uh, had never preached through the book of Genesis. And I'm enjoying the study. I don't know if you are or not. But uh, uh, we're going to see the beginning of a lot of things in the book of Genesis. Today, look with me, if you would, please. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. And since there's only 16 verses, I thought I'd read them all. And that way, if I don't say anything of any benefit, you can't go home and say you didn't get anything. You've at least had 16 verses of God's inerrant, infallible, eternal, reserved, preserved Word of God. Well, let's practice. Let's everybody on three say amen. One, two, amen. Uh, God do better than that. God do better than that. Because this message is going to be difficult for me to preach. Because when a wild man is preaching about a wild man, you haven't got anything left except a bunch of wild people. On, on three. One, two, amen. Good night, nurse. You didn't say amen, Gary. Huh? You didn't say amen. You must have some kind of lineage to Texas A&M. I don't know. The Bible says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And that was a shame in that day. Every woman felt shame and was disgraced and ridiculed by the other women when she could not and had not bore children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Wonder where he got wonder where she got her. I've written in my Bible there, excess or extra baggage. When he Abram left Egypt, he took some of Egypt with him. It's the way it always is. When you go down into the world, you always bring something out with it. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Kind of reminds you of Adam hearkened to the voice of Eve. Wrong person running the home. Wrong person making the choices. Wrong person dancing to the fiddler. And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw 
that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. It's not my fault, Abraham, it's yours. I have given my maid unto thy bosom. I was sincere in what I was doing. I was sacrificial. I was trying to help God out. I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. And Ab- but Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is at thy hands. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. The angel of the Lord. Notice that phrase, the angel of the Lord, not an angel, not a angel, the angel of the Lord, a pre-incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, talking to an Egyptian maid. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way of Sir. She's on her way back to Egypt. That's the way a lot of Baptists they get in a little trouble in the first place they go is back to the bar or back to the old crowd, back to Egypt. The answer to your problem, your dilemma is not running. The answer to your problem is trust in. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. Man, I feel something coming on. Would you just kind of help me a little bit? And he said, Agar, Sarah's maid, whence comest thou and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man. And every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the, of she she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me, for she said, Have I also looked after him and seeth me? I could read on, I suppose, the next two or three verses. But I would like for you to look in this text today and see if there is a lesson 
are a number of lessons for we today who have the privilege of reading the text. I think maybe I've found one or two points that we could uh, uh, carry upon, such as faith is never taking matters into your own hands. Uh, aren't we out to do before we pray? Usually when we pray, it's because what we've done is not working out. And here we have the promise of God in Genesis 12, a covenant-keeping God telling Abraham, I'm going to make your seed as the stars in the sky, the sand on the sea. At the age of 75, Abraham is promised to become the father of many nations. In Genesis, just a few chapters over, in Genesis 13, he reassures Abraham that I mean what I say. In chapter 15, Abraham tried to help God out and said, Well, I'm older now. I'm 83 or 86 maybe, and I still have not had a child. So how can my seed number the stars of the sky, the sand of the sea? Why don't we just let Eleazar, my servant, become my heir? Plan B. Plan A is not working. Let's try plan B. In chapter number 16, we come to plan C. Since God has rejected plan B, let's try plan C. When we ought to be trusting God for plan A. Is there anybody here today kind of jump plans with God? Ah, God will understand. God knows. He gave me a mind, a reason. And so uh, we can always try plan C. Another lesson that I think I have found in the text, and I believe it with all my heart, carnal means never accomplishes a spiritual end. God is as interested in what you do as why you're doing it. You say, well, God has blessed me with all this money. God's not the only one that can bless. Here, Abraham and Sarah is going to do a little partner switching help God along with his plan. After all, if it comes out all right, who cares about how we got here? This is not a funeral. This is a Sunday morning praise. Hallelujah. Have a good time service. I wonder if there's anybody listening to my voice today that has ever thought they'd give God a helping hand. 
and begin to do carnal things trying to accomplish a spiritual end. And you never, never, never accomplish a spiritual end by using carnal techniques and fleshly behavior. I found another thing I think would be interesting to us. I found in this text that be sure your sins will find you out. If you sow wild oats, it will do you no good to pray for a crop failure. If you sow wild oats, you're going to reap wild oats. And if you sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. And most folks today are wondering, well, look at me, I'm serving God. Look at me, I'm having a, a terrible time. Well, how did you get to where you are? Your wife looks at your picture and says, why did I do that? You say, my wife don't say that. I've been talking to her. Have we learned anything? Is it possible to get ahead of God? Is it possible that we might think in our, in our intellectual situation, in our emotional uh, 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 captivity, that we could be a little help to God along the way? But when we do, we always get in front of God. And God does not lead from the rear. God leads from the front. Have you prayed about the marriage? You say, I pray continually. You better keep on because your sins will find you out. Amen? Come on, amen. You need to say amen for the kids. You need to say amen encouraging the kids to make the right choices today because uh, when they get our age, the choices always come back to meet them. Be sure your sins will find. I found that, uh, that principle in the text. I found also that Abraham's trip to Egypt just keeps on presenting the bill. See, you, the Christian does not go into the world without the world presents a bill. And every time Abraham turns around since he went to Egypt, there is a reminder that he shouldn't have done it. Lot, his nephew, cannot get Egypt out of its He's living in Sodom. He's participating in the deeds of Sodom. He's on the city council down in Sodom. He has been uh, uh, ravished. He has been whipped. He has been taken captive. But just as soon as Uncle Abraham got him back again, back to Sodom, Lot went. Be sure, Christian. If you go to Egypt, 
back into the world, it'll keep presenting its bill. It'll be expensive. Now, we have two old people that is over the hill. Sarah and Abraham. Now, 90 years old they are and without a child. But, thank God Abraham went to Egypt. And he brought out of Egypt a young, beautiful Egyptian girl. The answer to all their dilemmas. And it's strange how often we Christians go back to Egypt for the solution to our problems. Amen, preacher. Yes, we do. The answer to the problem is not the promises of God, not the power of God, but the answer to the problem, Abe and Sarah says, is look how pretty Egypt is. The characters of the story is two old people over the hill, frustrated, does not rely on the promises of God, but now we have a solution, Egypt. The solution to our problems is not God and trust in God. No, sir. It might be a psychologist. It might be a psychiatrist. It might be a beer bottle. But there's one thing for sure. It looks better than the promise of God. I think you're having as much trouble listening to this as I am having trouble to preach it. The situation of the text Notice, a legal loophole. In Abraham's day and in Sarah's day, it was legal, it was okay, it was permitted to take a lady and have this lady bear a child for this lady. But now that was before implantation was discovered. So now for Hagar to be Sarah's baby, Abraham had to commit adultery. A carnal means to accomplish a spiritual end. Well, does God permit that? No. God never permits immorality. And God never smiles upon immorality, and God never has. But now that's what goes into making a wild man. And he shall be a wild man. What's going on? in the Middle East. I say to you today, we have in the text a legal loophole permitted, used quite often in that day. I see also 
some worldly wisdom. Let's just do what the world says is okay. That way probably it will be accepted by God. Human wisdom. A carnal resolution, a resolve. Let's go ahead and do it. The results of this situation of Abraham and Sarah trying to help God get in before God, helping God with a promised seed by using carnal means has resulted in 4,000 years of peace agreements, peace accords, promises that has led us to where we are today. The making of a wild man. Is anybody listening, please? Notice verse 1 and 2 of the text. The Bible said, And Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Sarah, or Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath re." Strain me from bearing. It's all God's fault. It's not my fault, Abe. It's not your fault. You've tried. Uh, but dear God, you're almost a hundred. I pray thee, go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain, notice the certainty of her voice. It may be I may obtain children by her. And Abraham Prayed about it for a long time. And Abe hearkened to her voice. Verse 12. He will be a wild man. Folks, could I say to you today, we have a wild man loose in the earth today. And he's still fulfilling Bible prophecy. He is active. We can identify his descendants, his ideology, and his spirituality. He has a friend in the White House. He cheered and took credit for 9-11. Over the graves of thousands of innocent people, he cheered and raised his flag of victory. A wild man is loose in America. He introduced to us a brand new vocabulary, such as Islam, Mohammed, Allah. Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS, ISIS, or WASA, or something. He has his own religion, the wild man does. They call it Muslim. 
It's not politically correct. We're afraid of the word racial profiling. We dare not speak. We lay silent as our government extends to the wild men all the luxuries of America. We will educate them and teach them how to fly airplanes into our buildings. We'll set back and be afraid to say one word while the wild man becomes our doctors and our nurses and our neighbors. Genesis 16 is the beginning of a conflict between cousins that will not experience peace until they see the Prince of Peace. The father of the Arab. Ishmael, the wild man whose hand will be against his neighbor and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Wow. Where did it all start? Why are they fighting over just two or three pieces of land, the West Bank, the Golan Heights? Why can't they just quit all of it? Verse 10, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Hagar, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. Geographically, about one-third of all the land that he was talking about is under Arabic control. In America, they exceed 7 million and rising quickly. Islam, like Judaism, traces its lineage back to Genesis 16. To Uncle Abe, who couldn't wait on God who said I'll help God out in this situation my wife she's over the hill uh, there's no hope for her besides that she ain't near as pretty as this little Egyptian girl running around the house that been watching I've been watching for 10 years
Arabic, and the Arabs goes back to Abraham's firstborn, Ishmael. Jew and the Israel goes back to the lastborn Isaac, whose mother is Sarah. The war in the Middle East today can be traced right back to this wild man. This promised baby, and I want to share something with you. They do not want peace. They want your head. They do not want peace with Israel. They want Israel's land and Israel dead. Bottom line, and we are infidels and unbelievers. Thusly, they want our head and our land. The wild man. The making of a wild man. The word Islam means submission. Not submission in the way that we Baptists and we Christians interpret it. Islam, the word means submission. Completely, totally, sacrificially, eternally submitted and that's what they are submitted to Allah one of many of the Arab gods before Mohammed decided that he was going to have a religion and so he picked one of the Arabic gods Allah and discarded all the rest. Islam is total submission to Allah. But you're glad you're not a Muslim because you couldn't worry about what time you're going home today. And you miss part of the ball game because you got to pray five times every day toward Mecca. Used to be Jerusalem, but they changed that when Muhammad conquered Mecca. He changed the direction in which they pray because they used to pray five times a day toward Jerusalem. I better hurry because it looked like some of you are bored to death. And while they are among us, and they are, they're not of us. Even if they do not speak out in a loud voice, they are strong opinion, and the opinion they have of us produces no loyalty to our nation. U.S. Today 
published a survey taken of Arab Muslims concerning their attitude toward war with Iraq or any of the Middle East countries. 82% said they would not be willing to allow their sons or their daughters to fight for this country after they have taken an oath that they would. Now, I don't want to be harsh, but if they won't fight for this country, we need to learn how to spell deportation. It's not fair that they enjoy the benefits. God help us, we bring the terrorists over here and give them air-conditioned sails and colored televisions and meet their ever whim and woe, and then we trade five of them for a deserter. Well, I want to be clear on this matter. Not every Muslim is a terrorist, but or even supports terrorism. But almost every terrorist is a Muslim. You say you're racial, racial profiling. No, I'm just reading Genesis chapter number 16 and come up with all of this stuff. Well, why would these men and young boys, why would they strap plastic explosives to them and walk into an innocent crowd and blow the crowd to kingdom come. Why would they do that? A Baptist won't even come to church on Sunday night. That's submission to the world. These folks make us ashamed. They serve a God of hate. God of war and God of fighting and God of, of absolutely annihilation and we serve a God of love and grace and we sing oh how I love Jesus until the cowboys kick off <laughs> you say I'm not coming back well I'm loading your wagon today You say, you're going to have somebody uh, 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 walking and, and uh, protesting. Let them protest. I'm not preaching political correctness. I'm preaching the inerrant, infallible Word of God. God help some of these panty-waist little old preachers afraid to say anything, won't raise their voice, can't buy a tie and don't know how to tie one if they bought one. God bless your heart, wooden bar, you're not going to last long. Well, I'm 75 and ain't looking forward to lasting too long. Best God, I haven't lost my fight. I may have lost my strength. I haven't lost my beauty. But this bunch, these wild men follow the belief system and are convinced that the moment they blow themselves up and take some innocent bystander with them. They're ushered right in to the presence of 70 virgins. 
They're weird-minded. Their appetite is fleshly, and that's why some of the 9-11 terrorists were frequenting porno places just before they got on the airplane, getting them ready for the fulfilling of their lust when they martyr themselves and be ushered in to 72 virgins. Major Hassan was visiting strip clubs around Fort Hood before he committed what our government has termed a crime, not terrorism. Please wake up. I believe I have two lessons for us in the next two minutes. What in the world ever caused a man of faith Abraham. And the model wife presented in the book of Peter, Sarah. The model wife who taught us all about submission and reverence to her husband, even to the extent that she called him Lord. What would cause her to cause all this family upheaval and dysfunction? What is the motivation for chapter 16 of the book of Genesis? Let me close in a minute. They thought that their problem was bigger than God. So they decided to help God with their problem. Now, I know no one here would ever do that. I know no one here would ever take a step before prayer. I know no one here would ever dare to say, Lord, it looks like you need some help. I'm not getting what I want as near as quickly as I want it. I want it while I can enjoy it. So, Lord, since you haven't given it to me, I think I'll just charge it. They failed. They produced a wild man that has become a plague to the world. A man who is against all men and all men that are against him. They produced that because they thought their problem was bigger than their God. So Sarah took the lead and Abraham let her have it. And so Sarah made the suggestion. Let's give God a helping hand.
and that decision. Isn't it something that Abraham could not say no to his wife? Isn't it something that Adam could not say no to his wife? My poor wife don't even know I have a yes. I have never been one to go with the crowd. I have never been one to join in with the changes. Abraham should have said, Sarah, get in your place. We're not going that way because God said, thus and so. Are there any women in the house that still love me? They thought that their problem was bigger than God. We are guilty of that, folks, on a regular basis. Come on, say amen. You know that's the God's truth. And I guarantee you, when you make that decision, you won't like the outcome. Now, you may like momentarily Abraham wasn't complaining when he took a little sachet into Hagar's tent. And for a moment of pleasure, the world is reaping a whirlwind. I must close. You say, why? Because three people are snoring out loud. Lastly, when I read the text, I see they failed to see the future consequences of their choice. Oh, but if Abe could see Ishmael now in his stolen tanks with his stolen weaponry in black uniforms hid behind the mask sowing discord and hurt and kill blood and anguish Fear across the world. Oh, but we would never make a choice without looking forward to see the consequences. We would never marry anybody that we really do not know. Isn't it amazing how people change with just the word I do? had a friend, preacher friend, that married one of his church members. Oh, pretty thing, I suppose she was, younger than he. They go on the honeymoon. They step off the plane. She grows horns and a forked tail and hits him in the face with a pistol and knocks him smooth out.
not realizing the consequences of a choice. You see, Abraham and Sarah was nearsighted spiritually. Sarah didn't have to twist Abraham's arm to take him a little bit of the world. After all, God give me this flesh. It's a God-given desire. Why should not I get it fulfilled? You should God's way, not your way. In God's time, not your time. The only thing I learned in this text and I've read it several times, is that they really thought that their problem was bigger than God, so they just took the matter in their own hands. And they failed to see the future consequences of their choice. And because of that, ladies and gentlemen, we have a wild man. He's loose. He's mad. He's mean. The Bible said he's against every man and every man against him. He has a religion and their evangelism is the sword and a gun. But thank God. You and I do not have a religion, we have a Savior. And He extends His love and says, For all who believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Instead of doing your own thing, He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Living among the wild man, we certainly need the Prince of Peace. I'm so glad that I'm a Christian. I'm so glad I have a Bible that talks about love and grace and heaven and beauty. Not a book that was given by a man who could not write or read. A book that was correlated from the folks who listened to him speak who wrote it down on leather or papyrus or on their hand and what they could quote by memory. I'm glad that I preach from the Bible, not the Koran. The one that was given by inspiration of God and is profitable to we who hear it. Thank God that holy men of old wrote as the Holy Spirit spoke. And we have the book of all books that says 
For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son for us. Amen and amen.